You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to the Full and Thriving Podcast. I'm so excited to have my next guest on the show today. Her name is Bailey Birdseye and Believe it or not, that's actually her real name. I think it's magical and awesome. And uh, Bailey recently connected with me and asked to contribute to my blog. And when we started talking, we just connected right away. We both have similar goals and values in life. We both have eating disorder experience. I'm recovered, and Bailey is currently recovering from an eating disorder. And I'm just so excited to have Bailey on the show. So Bailey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you and chat with you about um, you know, what we're going to talk about today. So I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm so excited. I feel like my audience, it's about time I brought someone on the show who's actually still in recovery mode. I have had a lot of people who have had experience and they're fully recovered or professionals in the field, but I haven't actually talked to anyone who is in the thick of it. So today's show, we've decided to talk about isolation and eating disorders and how isolation can actually be a place where eating disorders like to thrive. And we're also going to be talking about connection and the importance of connection when getting through your eating disorder. But before we talk about that, I just wanted Bailey really to share with everyone her personal story, just a little bit about where you are in recovery now, a little bit of your past. So Bailey, fill us in a little. Yes. So it's been a long journey to get here. Um, I've had my eating disorder for almost 10 years now, maybe a little over 10 years, which is kind of crazy to say out loud and kind of crazy to think about. Like 10 years of my life, I'm only 25. And so that's, that was a, it's a major chunk of my development and me growing up. Um, I grew up very much in the ballet dance world. And so that really contributed to being really insecure about how I looked at my body and how I responded and treated food. And so I really didn't reach out for support or any help until probably a year and a half, two years ago. So I would say that I've been officially like stepping into recovery about a year and a half ago. And like you were saying, I I would consider myself recovering still from an eating disorder. I wouldn't consider myself recovered. And why I would consider myself recovering from an eating disorder is because I I still have a lot of those thoughts. I have a lot of eating disorder thoughts. And I think 
I choose not to act upon them. Like I actively wake up every day and I choose to recover. I choose to keep meeting with my dietitian and keep meeting with my therapist, keep connecting um, through ways like this and through my group therapy that I go to. And so I think actively choosing recovery is obviously the path to lead to being fully recovered. And so that's why I would consider myself still in that recovering mindset. Wow. Okay. So I imagine it wasn't always like this, um, actively choosing recovery every, every day. So what was it like for you when you were just starting out? Um, it was a lot of feeling like I was just dragging my feet. Like I, I really didn't want to choose recovery. Like every day I had to wake up and you know, contemplate like, okay, am I, you know, am I going to follow my meal plan today or am I not? Do I, do I really want to do this or do I just want to miss my therapy appointment? And I think what really got me to that point of waking up every day and saying yes to recovery is kind of what we're going to be talking about Mm -hmm. today is creating that connection and having that support system. Because for me, at first, I, I didn't choose recovery because I wanted it for myself. Now I would say that I'm recovering for myself. But when I first started on my recovery journey, like it was definitely for other people. It was for my fiance. It was for my family. Um, I was recovering for them. And that's what kind of led me to recovering for myself. So at first, it was definitely recovering for other people. And I think, I think that's okay. I think that's okay to feel like you're recovering for something else if you have a hard time choosing yourself. I actually completely agree with you. I've heard people say, you know, you have to recover for yourself. You have to. And I believe that you definitely should. But in the beginning, you have to take what you can get and find motivation from wherever it that is. And if it's not for yourself, it's for the people around you who want you to recover. So that makes a lot of sense to me, at least in my opinion, because I, I just remember looking back at my story and being in relationships and being like, well, I don't want this person to deal with my eating disorder. So maybe I should just recover for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and two, eating disorders are, you know, such, I feel like I was so self-critical and I just, I, unfortunately, I just hated who I was as a person. And so I can see how, you know, a lot of people choose not to recover for themselves because if you do have kind of that deep self-loathing, it's like, well, why would I choose myself? Like, why would I want to recover from myself if I'm really not a huge fan of myself? So I think everyone eventually gets to that place where they want to recover for themselves, but I think it's okay to choose to recover for other people to get started. Mm -hmm. And I think that point you made about how you feel about yourself and the self-love you have and the self-respect if it's not, if you feel like it's not really there at that moment, that's when you kind of lean on the crutches of, I'm going to recover for other people right now, which is really interesting. So, wow. Okay. So you've had this shift over the past year and a half. You're still kind of working through your recovery. Tell me, let's bring it back now 
to your eating disorder itself. It sounds like you kept it secret for like eight years or something like that, a little over eight years. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, it was a very long time. And, and people, you know, I'd be kind of ignorant to say that people didn't know about it. I mean, it, it, mine manifested in a very physical way. Mine was very obvious. Um, you know, not everyone's is like that. And mine did manifest in, you know, I physically looked different. I physically acted different. And so people did notice, but of course I denied things. I kept it a secret. I, um, isolated myself. And so that's how I quote unquote got away with it for eight years of my life. And what did that isolation look like for you? Um, a lot of it was, you know, especially through high school, you know, choosing to not go to the lunchroom or, you know, choosing to plan activities around mealtime. So I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I have dance at this time. So I, I, you know, I'll eat dinner later. And so it's amazing how your eating disorder can find sneaky ways like that. I think now looking back at it, I was like, well, yeah, of course that was my eating disorder, you know, choosing very specific times to study or very specific <laughs> times to take classes. And those were just ways that I could isolate myself. And so I could get around, you know, eating less or skipping meals because if I told my parents or I told someone like, oh yeah, I'm just going to eat dinner later. They were like, okay, yeah, of course, of course she is because she has something going. And so that's really, I think how my eating disorder started to kind of take over and kind of manifest in that isolation and started pulling me out of those ways that I was connecting with people. Mm, that's, I love hearing that, not because it's a good thing, but I think the distinction is pretty helpful for people to hear. Like your eating disorder is going to find sneaky ways to isolate you. Mm -hmm. And for you, it really showed up in the way you were scheduling your life and avoiding mealtimes by doing certain things instead, which makes a lot of sense. Like I've actually seen that from a recovered point of view, I will see friends who you know, maybe they have an eating disorder, maybe they have disordered eating, they maybe they don't even know that they're going through it. But I've seen friends sometimes skip meals or kind of in a savvy way, avoid the eating experience. And that's really, you know, that was before I was a coach, I'm looking back at my college experience, thinking about that. And it's hard to find a place to know what to say to that person or even kind of out them. Like you don't want to make mm -hmm. them uncomfortable. Did you ever have any friends confront you while you were in high school or college about your behaviors? I did. Yes. And of course, like in that moment, I, you know, kind of caused my eating disorder and caused me to shut down even more. Cause it's like, Oh, now I'm, you know, I feel attacked or my eating disorder feels attacked when mm -hmm. someone approaches you about that. Of course, knowing now that these people were concerned and they cared about me and they wanted to help the best way they could. And so, you know, I would always encourage people to, 
you know, say something because I think it's always better to kind of approach it in a compassionate way of being like, hey, I've kind of noticed this, you know, I've noticed that you've been skipping lunch and going to study instead, you know, is, you know, is something going on or, you know, maybe can I come with you and eat lunch, you know, kind of offering those things. But definitely at first it was, you know, that way of, kind of feeling attacked, which again, kind of causes that eating disorder to want to shut down even more. Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful advice that you have, because I agree, like, if you're going to try to talk to someone about what you're noticing, and you're, you're thinking they might have an eating disorder, the kinder you can approach the subject, the better, in my opinion, and Mm. always start out with those observational points, you know, because they're non-accusatory, they're just facts. So, hey, I've noticed you've stopped coming to lunch with us. You know, I've noticed you don't get coffee with us on the weekends anymore. You know, what might be going on? Is everything okay? And I'm concerned about you really expressing that concern also Mm -hmm. can be helpful. And just being aware that that eating disorder is going to clamp down and get very defensive really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, as a friend or as someone who's concerned, it can be a little hard to hear. And just if the person does get a little snappy, um, just kind of noticing that like, oh, that might be, you know, that eating disorder voice that's coming out in them. That's not the friend that I know, or it's not the person that I know. Because it can, it can be, I'm sure, difficult to hear like, oh, why are you in my business? Or like, what are you doing? Why are you asking these questions? And so, you know, just noticing too that if the person gets a little snappy, that it's it's probably not them talking, it's their eating disorder that's kind of taking over. So true, so true. I totally hear that. And, you know, it's it's interesting to think back on my eating disorder and when my eating disorder would like lash out at friends or family. And I feel really bad still sometimes thinking about that because I'm not really like that. It, like my soul and who I am as a person, I, I'd like to consider myself to be a kind person, but that eating disorder does like to take control. And, you know, it brings out a side of you that isn't exactly friendly. So Mm -hmm. on that note, did you find your relationships were really impacted throughout your eating disorder? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that was one of the or not the biggest thing that I think my eating disorder kind of took away from me was that I did, I felt very, you know, while I was really deep in my eating disorder, I felt very selfish. I was probably very selfish. I um, pushed people away. I really isolated myself because I felt that constant threat of, oh, well, if I'm, you know, if I'm going to this party or if I'm going to hang out with people, they're going to know, they're going to know about my eating disorder. And then they're going to try and take that away from me. And in that time, I just didn't want or didn't feel like I could sacrifice my eating disorder to go be with people. And so I think that was, you know, one of the biggest things that I lost with my eating disorder was I I did lose a lot of friends. And looking back on it now, I, you know, lost a lot of friends that I 
really cared about because my eating disorder just took over who I was as a person. Now I think I'm very more aware of when my eating disorder starts to take over and so that I can you know, be more compassionate with the people who are trying to be supportive and be around me. Um, you know, I'll even go back and be like, you know, I'm sorry, that wasn't me who was talking. That was, you know, my eating disorder taking over or being more upfront and open with, you know, if friends invite me out to eat, being upfront and saying this, this is really scary for me. And I really want to come. The more open you can be about how you're feeling about a situation, that way you can have those friends be supportive through that situation rather than just them questioning, why isn't Bailey coming again? Or why, you know, why does she keep turning down our coffee dates? Yeah. So I think that's helpful. I completely agree. I think in any situation in life, when you're feeling nervous or a sense of anxiety, sometimes just putting that out on the table, like mentioning the elephant in the room almost, loses <laughs> that tension immediately. And then it, there's a shift because there's no longer a wedge between you and the people. Like mm-hmm. even with public speaking, I actually don't struggle too much with public speaking, but in those moments when I do get nervous, sometimes I'd say like, oh, I'm actually a little nervous and like giggle. And then I suddenly melt and relax. And I think it's the same thing with what you're saying is talking to your friends and saying, hey, look, like, as you know, I struggle a little bit with food and this event makes me nervous, but I'm going to try and do my best. And um, I appreciate your understanding. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think to having that close person, you know, you don't have to necessarily go out (laughs) and tell the entire world, um, like, you know, oh, I have an eating disorder. And, you know, if you're going out with 10 people, not everyone has to know. But having maybe that one or two close friends or family that, you know, really knows you can kind of, you know, be like, hey, I'm having a hard day or hey, you know, this, this situation's really difficult for me like you said, just putting it out there is, it's amazing. Just what saying like, Hey, I'm having a difficult time right now makes it so much easier. (laughs) It really does. It's kind of like (sighs) the, this, I don't know. It's just, there's a secret and the secret's been revealed and you can relax. (laughs) Exactly. It's so nice. I love that you brought that up because I think a lot of people listening could actually use that piece of advice moving forward. Like, find that one friend or, or a few friends who are close to you who you can turn to. So whether you go to the event or whether you turn it down, they have that understanding, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. obviously um, that's really up to you and where you are in your recovery if you want to go or not. But I always encourage going because connection is so important in recovery. Bailey, for you, when did you start making that shift? Like, how did you realize that connection really helps you kind of thrive and pull yourself out of this eating disorder? So I think the first time that I really felt like I was connecting was, um, so my therapist had a group um, and it was specifically for people who were, you know, in recovery or, you know, actively recovering from an eating disorder. And 
once I started making those connections with people who were going through very similar situations, it was much, much easier for me to open up to people who maybe haven't experienced eating disorders before. Um, you know, my, my best friend here has never really experienced an eating disorder. And so when I first told her, of course, she was very supportive, but I was so nervous to tell someone because it was like, oh, what are they going to think of me? How are, how are they going to treat me? Are they, am I going to act differently around them now that they know? But I think first it was me connecting with people who have already experienced having an eating disorder and learning what that felt like. And then it was much easier to open up to people um, who don't have eating disorders mm-hmm. to kind of explain to them, you know, how I'm feeling about things and how recovery is going. That's really interesting. So you had a stepping stone almost. You started out with the people who could identify with what you were going through, and that gave you the confidence to kind of open up to those around you who might not necessarily have that same experience. Yeah, exactly. And there was definitely people who knew, obviously. Um, my fiance knew before we got engaged that I, you know, was actively recovering from an eating disorder. It wasn't, you know, a surprise to him. I didn't just spring it on him. But I felt like I had the tools and resources to explain to him better what I was going through as well. Because I think before it was, when I first told him, it was always kind of, oh, I just have a weird thing with food. You know what I mean? Like I just, sometimes I just get a little weird around food. And then it started opening up more and he started noticing more. Um, And I had a hard time explaining and like verbalizing how I was feeling. And so the more I connected with people who had eating disorders and their experience, the easier it was for me to kind of process and verbalize how I was feeling to my fiance and to my friends um, who don't have eating disorders. So what did it feel like to you when you kind of came out with your eating disorder to those fellow warriors, you know, those people going through the same thing? How did you feel after that first group session? I assume that was your first experience. Honestly, so relieved. And I sometimes I hate saying that because I never want other people to experience eating disorders. You know, it is such a dark, isolating mental illness, and I I don't want anyone to experience it. But it feels so comforting to know that other people have thought the way you have thought, maybe acted on behaviors that you've done before. I think now that I've, you know, had an eating disorder for so long, it's almost to that point where I know when I'm doing an eating disorder behavior and that's what gets frustrating is if I know there's an eating disorder behavior and I know I'm acting upon it, that's when kind of that shame and guilt cycle comes in. And so being able to talk about that with other people who have experienced that takes away that shame and guilt because it's like, okay, they've done this before too. We can kind of chat about how that happened and what happened and, um, you know, maybe a plan to not act on that behavior next time. And so really just a huge relief of knowing that I wasn't 
the only person who has gone through this. Mm-hmm. I totally remember my first time talking to someone who had an eating disorder. And my experience is different from yours in the fact that I did not talk to anyone about my eating disorder during my recovery except for my therapist. And then I was very cryptic to the rest of my family. (laughs) (laughs) And so for a long time, like it really mustered up the courage. And I think I blurted out that I had an eating disorder to some acquaintances, but it was never a conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I recovered, and my story's different too, because my recovery was like quick and dirty. It was like chaotic and messy and <laughs> came out of it like, okay, that was a whirlwind, wow. Um, okay, I think I'm good. You know, it was so less intentional than a lot of my clients, and mm-hmm. I don't know why or how that happened. It was just like strange. But, um, What I'm saying is when I was probably about 25, 26, I reached out to Project Heal, which Mm -hmm. is a nonprofit organization, because I was feeling really empowered to start directing my coaching towards eating disorder recovery. And I went to one of their communities of healing support groups, which is for people who are recovered and also people who are in recovery so there's a peer mentor kind of vibe to it Mm -hmm. Um, it's ran by peers basically and I remember sitting in there and being like these are my people (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) like I'm like they this is so cool to actually hear that someone did this these things that I did and like when I talk you know when I was obsessed with food they know what that's like and it was such an interesting experience. And so for me, I call that recovery 2.0 because it was like relearning the recovery process through talking to people. Yes. Yeah. It is, it is so amazing how things like Project Heal or finding, you know, a group, even I know there's tons of them online now, but finding a group in your area, I think that was one of the biggest turning points for me was creating that connection with people who have experienced before. And it sounds like people who have been on the other side of it too, to see, you know, how they did it and taking little bits and pieces of everyone's recovery to kind of make it your own too. Cause I don't think you know, there's no one recovery path. Like you were saying, yours was a little more, you know, down and dirty and mine (laughs) feels a little more strung out. And I think that's awesome because, you know, you have a choice to kind of pick and choose what works for you and what doesn't. And I think going to a group like that really helps to be like, oh, this person tried this. Maybe I can try that too. Or I've done this before and it didn't work. And so I think that connection with people who have been in recovery or recovered is so helpful Mm -hmm. in finding your path on what recovery looks like for you. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I feel like it's really helpful to just see how everyone's path is different and also find those people who you can share your oddest behaviors with them and they're going to sit there and be like, I've tried that. Yes. Or they're going to say like, oh, I remember like thinking that or feeling that way. And you're just kind of like, okay, 
I'm, I'm not alone. This feels really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I did want to throw in there for my listeners that I have some ways to connect. Um, I have my lunch warriors group, which is a weekly meal support group. And it's also kind of just a support group, cool group of people. We all totally empathize and understand where the person is coming from. And then also I will be launching a membership program in the fall. So you guys will find out more about that later on, but I just wanted to say that while we're on the subject. Um, So Bailey, those listening, how do you suggest people start building connection within their lives? Hmm. I think, I don't know. And again, this can look totally different for each person. And I think it depends on comfort level. Um, You know, I think that first step in kind of building connection is finding that one person who you feel most comfortable with, you know, whether that's a teacher at school or your partner or a friend, or maybe it's like a therapist that just, you just need that connection to be able to talk with someone who's kind of that neutral person. Um, I think just starting with one person, because the more that I isolated myself from not telling anyone, the deeper I became rooted in my eating disorder, because I didn't feel like I had anyone to hold me accountable. And for me, accountability is very helpful in my eating disorder. Like I, I really rely on people around me to hold me accountable in recovery. And that's what really fueled my recovery is to be like, Hey, I, I really need you to, you know, ask me to go out to eat once in a while, because for me, eating out is really difficult. Um, You know, I need help sometimes sticking to mealtimes. And so I'll reach out to a friend and be like, hey, at noon, can you just send me a text message? And so I think just starting with one person kind of slowly peels away that secrecy of your eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, And so even if you just have that one person to ask for support, I think that's just a great start. Yeah. Yeah. I do think having that person to lean on, having that person to reach out to, especially when you're feeling tempted to use behavior or you're feeling awful. I mean, that's kind of what I do as a coach too, is that accountability piece with behaviors. You know, Um, if you're thinking about using a behavior, reach out to someone Mm -hmm. and If you need more structure, for instance, sometimes I'll have people text me the food they're like, take a photo of the food they're eating that day, just so I can see what they're doing. And not in like a controlling way, just in an accountability way, like Mm -hmm. they're going to be more motivated knowing that I'm, I'm there and we've agreed that this is what you're doing for your homework this week. You know, it's like very, it's very interesting to see how accountability can really boost your recovery for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think too, that's where a coach can be really, really helpful because it's so different than a therapist because, you know, within therapy, you know, we dig into kind of that 
past or the reasons why and like it digs really deep and it can kind of feel emotionally taxing sometimes and you know when you meet with a dietitian it's very much like okay here's a meal plan um here are the foods that need to be incorporated into each meal and then we're kind of where the coach comes in is where it's really helpful on that accountability piece you know it's that day-to-day of okay i'm in the moment right now having a difficult time how can we be supported and kind of move through that difficult time where you know our therapist and dietitian can't always be there to offer that kind of support and so that's where i think for me a an eating disorder coach would have kind of boosted my recovery in um, having that accountability, having that support, you know, having that structure to my recovery um, where my therapist and dietitian couldn't offer those things as well. Yeah. Therapists and dietitians have strict boundaries. Yes. (laughs) They are trained to have those firm boundaries and coaches are trained to be there as that support person. So it's a perfect fit to the recovery puzzle in a way, just having everyone on your team doing their perspective duties to help you recover. And yeah, that's why I love what I do. It's so, it's so new and not a lot of people have started really even realizing what they do or what's out there, but it is really helpful in in so many ways, especially if you feel like you're going to just isolate and mm-hmm. maybe you don't fully trust yourself to follow through on what your dietitian tells you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do you think connection is important in recovery? Like, tell me, for those, for those people who are really resistant to reaching out, why do you think it would be helpful for them? I think kind of similar to what we've talked about is because eating disorders thrive so much in isolation, it kind of opens that door to even the option or the possibility of recovery. You know, I do always believe that you can be in the deepest depths of your eating disorder and there there is some small part of you that wants to recover. Mm. And just you know, latching on to that small part and just creating connection and telling someone about it, for me, made such a huge impact in my recovery because I I don't think that if I would have made connection, um, I would have started recovery. I think that I would have still been very deep in my eating disorder. And so when that like small glimmer of light came out, that was like, Bailey, you really want to recover. Like I had to act on it right away because otherwise like that light would have went out, went out so quickly. And so I think that just latching on to that idea that recovery is possible and just by opening up and creating connection with, you know, a small group of people can make such a huge impact on a recovery journey. Yeah, it's kind of like that was your little lifeline, like somebody threw a, a yeah. like a flotation device to you or something. You latched on and it, you were able to save you from drowning in a way. Yes, that that's so interesting, and I think that's really important to just recognize is that you have that window of feeling hope that you want to 
hone in on and mm. go for it while the, you know, oh man, what's that expression? It's like hit while the iron's hot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely that way. So what I want people listening to recognize is that when you're feeling isolated, you're in a really low vibrational state energetically. Depression, anxiety, those are very low vibrational states. And feeling a little bit of hope actually raises your vibration a little bit. And one of the fastest ways to kind of snap out of those low vibration is actually interacting with another person. And think about it, even when you're in one of those really terrible days where you just want to curl up in bed and then say you have to go walk the dog, walking outside and then smiling to the first person you see snaps you out of this doldrum. Honestly, at least for me, I have experiences where just making that small connection brings me out of that state and I wake up and I'm like, oh, like, why did I just spend the last hour or why did I spend all morning feeling down on myself when it's beautiful outside and there are people here and I can connect and I can feel better instantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I always um, like to think of it as like the spiral of doom, you know, like <laughs> once you start on that spiral of like, oh, you know, I'm sad. Oh, I'm laying in bed you know, you kind of can create excuses as to why your day is going so bad. And like you were saying, just like heading outside, noticing the beautiful weather, like noticing just one person to smile at can really pull you out of that spiral because it is so easy to get sucked into anything, even, you know, your eating disorder, depression, anxiety. It's so easy to find yourself on that path of, you know, once you find one thing wrong, it leads to five other things you can find wrong. And so it does, it does take that kind of mindset shift to just find that one like small glimmer of hope and connection to kind of, oh, once I find this one glimmer of hope, now I can find five other ones. So kind of spiraling the opposite way. Ooh, <laughs> so it's like the spiral of doom and then there's the rocket ship of awesomeness. Like yes. Out of it. I don't know what, I really would love to think of the exact opposite of a spiral of doom. Yes. That is, but those we'll keep working on it. <laughs> yeah, those listening, definitely let us know if you have a good name for that because that's something we need to define. <laughs> So Bailey, I really appreciate having you on the show today. And before I let you go, what is some words of wisdom? It doesn't have to be related to isolation or connection if you don't want, but what are those, what are words of wisdom you have for those listening today? I think just that recovery is possible. And for someone who doesn't proclaim or identify themselves as someone who's fully recovered that I still have the choice every single day to get up and choose recovery. Like recovery is a choice and your eating disorder is also a choice. Not not in a sense of an eating disorder is a choice, but in a sense that you have the choice to choose recovery and you have the choice to not choose recovery. And so I think knowing that 
you always have that autonomy and the option to reach out, ask for help, ask for connection. You know, whether it's someone that is on Instagram, you know, that's a great way to even ask someone who's been through it or, you know, reaching out to a therapist, reaching out to a school counselor, you know, just finding that one small way that you can kind of take that next step into some sort of recovery, whatever that looks like for you. Mm -hmm. It's super motivating to take those small, tiny steps because those steps really lead to the outcome you want. Even if they do feel small, it makes a Mm -hmm. difference. Absolutely. One more question I have. I love Mm -hmm. your advice. Recovery is possible is the ultimate advice I always want people to know. But for you, since you are still recovering, what is the thing that you feel like you need to do to get you finally to that recovered place? I think just keep working at it every single day. I, you know, I sometimes get frustrated with myself being like, why is this taking me so long? You know, why is it taking me two years to like recover? Why is it taking me, you know, X amount of years, whatever it is. And then I think about, you know, I was in my eating disorder for eight years. It took eight years to get to like my deepest point. And so I sometimes have to be realistic and be like, well, you know, maybe it might take me a little longer to get out of that deep, deep place. And I think just taking that time and being very compassionate with myself, which is, of course, sometimes easier said than done. You know, I'm a very like, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to get it done kind of person, which is, of course, a perfectionist trait of my eating disorder. And so just acknowledging that it took me a long time to get into my eating disorder and it it might take me a long time to get out, but I know that I'm choosing the right path of recovery and that nothing bad is ever going to come from choosing recovery. I can tell that your healthy self is definitely the (laughs) dominant part of you. And I am so happy to hear that self-compassion is something that you have pulled out of this process. It's like you were struggling for eight years. Of course, it's going to take you a while to recover. Like, of course, you know, you have patience for yourself and compassion. And those are seriously the gifts I think you get in recovery is learning how to be compassionate with yourself and how to be patient. And I have total faith that you're going to get there. You sound like you're on the right path, you have the tools you need and you're choosing recovery every day and that's amazing. So Bailey, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate having you on the show and um, how can everyone find you? So how can the listeners find you if you want them to? Yes, so I am on Instagram at Bailey B Balanced and it is a um, interesting spelling. So it's B-A-I. H-L-Y, so that is my first name, Bailey, um, the letter B, and then balanced. So um, you can find me there. And then also there's a link in my Instagram bio to my blog. So um, 
my blog is really just kind of an outlet of where I jot down how I'm feeling and maybe some topics about eating disorders and things like that. So that's always a great place to connect with me. Yay, that's awesome. I will put your links in the show notes so everyone listening can just go right there. They don't have to worry too much about the spelling. (laughs) um, Great. Well, have a wonderful rest of your night and I will be in touch soon. Awesome. Thank you so much.